So just a quick snippet of what it means to be 10 years younger and not have hair, but still be having fun, still be loving up on children, still be introducing people to Jesus, still be pouring yourself into somebody else's life. You know, we talk about you need to have a Paul in your life, you need to have a Silas in your life. Paul to learn from, Silas to walk through, and you should have a Timothy that you're pouring into. And I've made it my mission to continue to pour into Timothy. And some of you in here are Timothys that I meet with on a regular basis. A couple years ago, there was a Timothy in my life. And that Timothy continued to grow and grow and grow in my life and grow and grow and grow in my life. And he became an important part of not only this church, but my family and our community. And there was a time when we actually instituted Kevin Canterbury Day. And everybody had this picture as their profile picture. And this is the Kevin Canterbury that I met years and years ago when the college student walked in here. And it was just absolutely amazing. And watching him grow, watching his, his uh, then girlfriend grow, watching them grow together, watching their family grow. They have three children now. And watching his ministry grow in downtown Detroit and seeing what's happened. I, listen, I have just continued to be in conversations with him and hang out on the phone a little bit and share back and forth. And, and, and when I said, Kevin, you know, will you come back and share with us on our 10th anniversary? He said, I, pre, I walked in the door on your second anniversary. It was when you had cupcakes that said two on them. And he said, eight years later, you want me to do this? And I said, yes. So I want you to welcome Kevin Cant, pastor, pastor, my bad, pastor, Kevin Cant. Canterbury back into town. Woo! I love you. Love you. What's up, Vineyard? Hey, it is so great to be with you all tonight. I am uh, honored to be here. It is, uh, it is, it is such a pleasure. Uh, and listen, listen, just so you know, no big deal or anything, but you all are actually 10 years old today. Today, today, you are 10 years old, and, and I get to preach, so nothing against Pastor Joe or Phil Stroud, but I got the most unique and best day to preach on the actual birthday, so I think that's special. Uh, listen, uh, yeah, we've been up close to Detroit for almost two years now, and, and life is, is certainly great. It's, it's wonderful. We have, we have multiplied. We have a little girl now. She's almost a year old, and I'm already losing hair, as, as you can see, from that, from that fact, uh, but Speaking of hair, listen, people have asked me, y'all give me a hard time about this haircut already today, just so you know. Uh, and, and people have asked me like, you know, Kevin, do you keep Kentucky in your heart? And I say, no, I keep it on the back of my head. You see this mullet I got going on right now? <laughs> do not forget where you come from. Get her done, okay? I know we're Richmond, but you know, we're still Richmond, so it's okay. Hey, uh, Vineyard, happy birthday. You are 10 years old, but do not be surprised when, when the church cops an attitude like a 10-year-old does. All the parents said amen, right? Right, right? Uh, hey, I, I would be, I would be um, remiss if I didn't just take a moment to, to embarrass our, our pastors here. Uh, and uh, pastors, pastors Joe and Jan, make sure his mic is turned off, please. Pastors Joe and Janice, uh, you all saw something so long ago, and you took a chance on that crazy-haired, something's never changed, but that crazy-haired guy, 
and, and, and you gave me an internship, and you, and, and you just started pouring and pouring and pouring, and you all just took the steps. You, you took initiative. You committed. You dedicated so much, and I owe so much to your all's hard work. Could we please stand and praise God for 10 seconds? Let's praise God for 10 seconds right now. All right, that was like 16 seconds, so he's not going to let me preach the rest of the weekend. Thanks, guys. Uh, hey, I, I am so glad to, to, to be here tonight, and, and I hope you are expectant. I, I, I hope you are expectant to, to hear from God, because back when Pastor Joe uh, reached out, it was, it was January. It was January. The guy plans ahead. I could learn a thing or two. And, and he says, hey, we're, we're, we're considering this big weekend. Do you want to be a part of it? And, and I just started, uh, I, I, I said yes right away, and I started wrestling with, God, what would you want to tell the vineyard for, for 10 years? What would you want to say to them? And, 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 and it just became so evident uh, to me where to go. But before we jump into that, I, I, I got to tell you a story first before we jump into this message. Uh, a while ago, back in the early vineyard days, before I was married, before I was a youth pastor, uh, I, I, I was obsessed with Ultimate Frisbee, and I had all the time in the world for it back then. And so if you don't know, Ultimate Frisbee is, is, is like a blend of soccer and basketball and football, except you do it with a disc on a giant field. It's exhausting. Well, I, I got pretty, pretty good at it, and, and I was in some pretty decent shape. And, and so I was playing in a tournament, actually, in Lexington. And, and, and I prided myself on being able to get away from my defender. I was always able to get a little separation and run and, and get the Frisbee and, and move it down the field, you know, kind of thing. I always prided myself in that, except this game. I met Dan, and Dan stuck to my hip. And, and, and the first few minutes go by, and I'm like, okay, it's fine. I'm more of a conditioned runner. I don't do the short stuff. I, I will kill him in the long run. And all of a sudden, 10 minutes goes by, 20 minutes goes by, 25 minutes goes by, and it's finally halftime, and he was sticking with me the whole time. And I hadn't touched the disc at all because he was with me the whole time. And so I decided in that moment, you know what? I'm not going to get the, the Frisbee at all this entire game, but I'm sick in the mind. I'm, 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 I'm kind of like weird that way, and I, and I do things for my own uh, sick amusement, and I decided I'm just going to run to death, and I'm going to see if he can hang with me. It's, it's, I'm not a part of the game anymore, but I'm going to have fun. And so, and so I just start going. We're out of halftime, and I just start going, and Dan, he's sticking with me. He's doing pretty well. He's, he's, not, he's, he's, he's sticking with me pretty well. But uh, then uh, comes a time when, when I feel like I'm kind of like at a wall, you know, like, like athletes, they, they hit this wall, but, but something else kind of took over in the, in, in the moment and kind of compelled me to continue. And, and so I was able to, to continue to run at this incredible speed. My wife would be so impressed if we were married at the time. And, and Dan, slowly, I got, a, I got a little space from Dan. But, but I could tell he was trying really hard. He was sticking with me. He was, he was trying to stick with me. And, and I just was running and running and running. And finally, five minutes left in the game, I hear a whistle. And I hear someone shout, time! And I look, and who do I see laying down on the field, throwing up? It's Dan! I cannot brag about a lot of things in my college years, but I will ride that memory for a long, long time. Because 
it's, it's, it's incredible. And, and, and our team, you know, while we lost, I personally won. And, and I ran someone to, so much that they threw up. But, but on the ride home, I'm driving back from Lexington now, and my apartment is here in Richmond. And on the way home, I, I start to get a headache. And my legs kind of start to shake. And, you know, broke college kid, you don't have cruise control. And, and so, like, it's, a, it's, it's like, you know, you know it's, it's a whole thing. And, and so I, I realize I'm getting sick. I'm going to throw, I'm throwing up, I'm throwing up. I, I need to pull over and I pull over and I throw up. And, and I throw up a couple of times on the way home and I, and I, and I get back to my apartment, I get in the shower and, and, I'm, and I'm kind of baffled with what just happened. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of beside myself with what just occurred. Why did my body wait until after the game? Why did my body fail me after everything, but not in the moment? And so maybe you've heard of the experience called the second wind. It's like when an athlete turns it on in the fourth quarter. You know, you know it's, like, it's like the killer instinct just takes over. We, we know this as the zone, when an athlete just gets into the zone. Michael Jordan had it, LeBron sometimes has it, not a hater, just the realist. And, and, and you know what that's like, right? Like, like it's, it's like they get a second wind, and then so I looked this up, I, I looked this up, and, and it's a way that you can actually exert less energy but still perform at your peak. It's called a second, a second wind. And so a second wind comes in the midst of struggle, and, and so this happens when we just feel like we can't go any farther. And so naturally, I, I started thinking, how does this relate to faith? This idea of a second wind. When, when we just feel like we can't go any further because there are those of us today who are simply desperate for something in their life. They are desperate for a reawakening. You are here tonight because you're desperate for, for a second wind, for, for something to happen, breakthrough, however you want to phrase it. You are here because you want God to move in your life. Are you with me today, Vineyard? Are, are we alive tonight? Okay, okay. We're a little quiet up in the D. And so I, I know I can come home, and, and you guys are a little warmer uh, in a lot of ways. But I'll tell you, it's already fall up there, okay? But before we go further with this, with this concept of, of the second wind, which is the, the, the title of this message, your second wind, um, I, I believe God's going to do that in the vineyard, in this church, that the second wind is at hand. The second wind is ahead of us. But before we go completely into that, let me ask you, how many times have you had those moments when you just felt full of faith? When you just felt like you could do anything, that, that, that the circumstances would be different this time, that your faith simply couldn't be shaken. You know, those times when you are absolutely convinced that things will simply be different and you're expecting God to move in a big way. But inevitably, what happens? The struggle hits. The, the wall, the punch to the stomach, life happens in that moment. And so tonight, I want to encourage you with a well-known Bible story, which is always risky. I wrestled with God for months because I didn't want to preach on this Bible story because everyone knows it. And, and usually, you know, sometimes it's, it's hard to find things that, that people haven't heard before. But, but, but let's go into Matthew, Matthew chapter 14. Let's go into Matthew chapter 14. Verse, we're going to pick up in verse 25 with this concept of the, second, of the second wind in mind. If I were a good pastor, I would have already had this marked. It's a story of, of Jesus and Peter, and Peter walking out on the water. Let's just pick up in verse 25. I'm going to read the story straight through, and then we're going to come back and mind this thing. 
Verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them. Jesus came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you out on the water. And Jesus said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is what I absolutely love about the followers of Jesus. They are just like us. They say the wrong thing at the wrong time. They do the wrong thing at the wrong time. They're just like us. They're, they're human. They are like us. Jesus walks out on the water and they all scream, ah! And you know there weren't any ladies around, so they really screamed, you know? And so these, these grown men screamed and Jesus re reassures them. And, and Peter says, Lord, if it really is you, have me come out in the water. And so have you ever, have you ever done that in your life? Have you ever asked God to prove to him that he is God? You know, like it, it sounds kind of silly when you, when, you, when you phrase it that. Because, you know, we have plans, we have ideas, we have what we think we need, and we ask him to come to us and to move into our lives. We ask him to do what we want him to do, but Peter doesn't do that. No, Peter shows incredible faith, and he asks, Lord, can I join in in what you are already doing? Faith requires participation, it requires us to move forward. And that's, that, that's, that's just my simple point. My first point is that, is that the boat is safe, but you won't find a miracle there. The boat feels nice, doesn't it? It feels so secure. I mean, think about when the disciples stepped into the boat back when they were on shore. Did they plan to step back out of that boat before they got to the other side? Of course not. Of course not. Why would they? The boat was the plan the entire time. So go with me for a moment, Vineyard. You may have your comfortable plans. And in this case, it's the boat. You may have your comfortable plans. Perhaps it's your job security. It's your pension. It's the 401k. It's your house. It's your car. Whatever it is, your boat feels nice. The plans are safe and sturdy. And you earned that boat. You made those plans. You built that boat with your bare hands, and you worked hard for that boat. Those plans have kept you safe, but what happens if you encounter Jesus walking on the water, and he calls you to do the absolute unthinkable? He doesn't fit into your plans anymore, and so we need to shift our prayers and not say, God, meet me. We need to say, God, have me come to you. What are you already up to? Because I want to join in on what you're doing. That's, that is, that's what's going on here. It sounds crazy, but what if Jesus is calling you to do the unthinkable? Well, I don't have the education. Oh, I, I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't have the money. But what if Jesus, like, like in this case, Jesus did the insane. Like, you step out of a perfectly good boat. I went skydiving a few years ago, and someone like, gave me a really hard time. Why would you jump out of a perfectly good airplane? It's because Peter stepped out of a perfectly good boat. Why wouldn't I? I thought Jesus would meet me in the air. <laughs> you know, thankfully, technically he didn't, and I'm glad, okay? Like, <laughs> but I want to be clear on this idea. 
of the boat and the plans. I want to be clear. Plans are great, but purpose is different. Plans are human-made. Purpose comes from God. See, when we make plans, we actually try to limit God. God, listen, I got my box, and it's a good-looking box. I painted it myself. I need you to operate inside this box and not to disturb anything in this box. All right, God, meet me here. Meet me here. Do this. Meet this need. Do what I need you to do. Listen, I stopped making plans some time ago when I realized God was, was doing the unthinkable in my life. You know no one in Michigan. Go. It's colder up there. Go. Like, like, like that, that's what happens when, when God invades your life. And so in, in, in this season and as I continue to move forward in my life, I recognize I need to stop making so many plans and just rely on the purpose God gave me. Because, because Peter saw purpose out on the water. No, it wasn't a part of the plan. It was insane. But that's what God does. He, he gives us purpose. And so, listen, you will never personally hear me tell you that God has a wonderful plan for your life. I think there are thousands and thousands of years of people following God, and that wasn't true for them. I think God has incredible purpose for your life, absolutely. And there's, and, and there's a difference in plans versus, versus purpose. Listen, no, these things aren't planned the way we always think they are. But when has God ever been predictable and safe? He's never been just predictable. He's never been able, you've never, you have never been able to anticipate what he's going to do next. Jesus was constantly revealing to the disciples his unique purpose. And they still couldn't get it. But Jesus was always showing them his purpose and why he came. And too many of us are sitting idly by waiting for God to somehow draft us when God is saying, no, volunteer. No, meet me in what I'm already doing. Come out of the boat right now. Come on and meet me where, where, where I already am at work. And I think there are plenty of us today that, that are playing it safe. We like the sanitized gospel. It's fine. Like the Americanized gospel, it's, it's good, it's prosperous, it is what it is. But, but what if God is calling you to do the unthinkable in this season? And what if God is, is actually calling you to step into a greater purpose than you could ever plan for yourself? But listen, Peter, he gets out and he walks on water. And pe people give Peter such a hard time, don't they? When was the last time you walked on water? Okay, chill, all right? Like, let's, 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 let's just chill for a moment, okay? Uh, but, but listen... Peter is walking on water. He is a walking miracle one moment, and then he is sinking in the next moment. How quickly we forget. Come on, like let's apply this to ourselves for just a moment. How quickly do we forget how far God has brought us? Because I think something that holds us back from our second wind, something that holds us back from a breakthrough is forgetting how far we've actually come. Think about this. Peter's geographical location out on the water is impossible without God. And I think many of us are living lives right now that we couldn't have dreamed of. But how quickly we forget. How quickly we look at other things and we look at other people. We look at, we look at the purpose God gave someone else. We get our mind off of the things. Listen, we have made it this far. Vineyard, we have made it this far because of God. And it is only because of God. And, and, and that, and that is a beautiful thing because, because, yes, he inspired some people with incredible purpose. But God brought us here. 
And so I actually want to, I want to go to, to verse 30. And so if we could throw verse 30 back up there, that'd be great. Um, because I think it's important to recognize something here. What was, what was it that Peter saw that sank him? According to the Bible, what was it that he saw? The wind. It was the wind, right? The wind, not the waves, not the storm. But the Bible simply says it was the wind. Some translations, they say a strong wind. But it was, it was the wind. What does that mean? And so I, I think it means that we are often sunk by what we don't see. Listen, some people, listen to me, Vineyard, listen, listen. Ten years, it's beautiful, it's great, it's also hard. <laughs> it is also so hard. Some people come and go. Some people are here to stay. And some people, they move on and they do something else. That's a part of life. And seasonal friendship hurts. Seasonal friendship, sometimes it's awful. But hear this, Vineyard, listen, listen. Bitterness is just like that wind. Because we don't see it, but everything in your life is affected by it. And if you aren't careful, bitterness will absolutely sink you because you're too preoccupied with what they are doing and they are thinking to remember what Jesus has called you to do in your unique purpose. We are often sunk by the things that we don't even see. And so funny thing is, I actually asked, as I prepared this message, I asked 10 different people. I said, don't read the story, but what sunk Peter? Why did Peter sink? What did he see? And not a single person actually got it right. They all said the storm, the wind and the waves. It was the waves. It was some variation of, of that. Everyone said that. And I think that's fascinating. I think it's absolutely fascinating that Peter saw the, saw the wind. And that's what sunk him. I have a, a dear friend of mine. I was talking with him a couple of weeks ago. And he's, he's always worried about money. You know, money this, money that. I, I'm, so, I'm so freaked out. I'm full of anxiety. I don't know what's next. I don't know this. I don't know that. And he's so consumed. And I said, okay, well, man, come on. Like, what do you spend, I don't know, on groceries every week? And he said, I don't know. I'm too scared to look. <laughs> number one, it's stupid. Number two, number two, we are sunk by the things that we don't even see. There are things in your life right now that you are acting like aren't even there. And it is holding you back. And it has continue, continued to influence your decisions. It has influenced who you trust and who you don't. It has continued to pull you back and away. And you're forgetting that God wants to break those chains. And God wants to see breakthrough in your life. And God wants to give you a second wind. But you have to acknowledge the reality that there are things in your life that you need to see. That you are simply avoiding right now. And so listen, I, I, I think all the time, I think all the time, it's like, I think my, my second most prayed prayer ever. The first one is simply help, because come on, that's, that's a holy prayer right there. It's simple, and it works, okay? But honestly, number two, like right behind that, is simply, Lord, fix my focus. cut my eyes off of you. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not keeping in step with what you've called me to do. I've got my eyes off of you. Lord, fix my, po my, 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 my focus because I would sink all the time if I didn't constantly pray that all the time because when I make my life about myself, 
I'm losing focus on the things that really matter. And if you call yourself a Christian, your life is no longer about yourself but others. But, but, but listen, something huge stands in the way of that. Something, something massive, something in our world influences us all the time and in the wrong ways. And I want to talk about how our culture is absolutely obsessed with itself. And we fall for that all the time. And we fall for it in the form of Instagram. Now, now listen, listen, listen. I'm not going to go on a social media bashing spree. I'm just simply wanting you to reflect on your relationship to social, to social media. But I'm going to use Instagram in this moment. Uh, and, and so, listen, I, I actually, I, I, got this, I got this fancy phone up here. Uh, and so, I want to... Let's, let's bring up this live feed for a moment. I, I want to I look at some, something on Instagram here. And, and so, listen, whenever we, we, we get on Instagram, like maybe I see this nice thing right here. Oh, look at all these beautiful people. Are you all happy to be here or not? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe this crowd is better. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Sorry, guys. This is the crowd over here. Oh, man. Okay. All right. And listen, listen, because while I tell everyone I don't live a filtered life, I absolutely do. We're going, we're going, no, let's go Lark. Let's go Lark, and let's adjust that. Ooh, look, I can see Pastor Joe. I can see Ben on his phone. Um, get off your phone. Okay, now let's, now let's, think, let's think of a good caption for this. Okay, okay, I only got one, one hand. Someone just gave me a handheld. Who did that? Uh, like this to help me prove Insta, because that's how the kids say it, is stupid. Where's my hashtag? There's my hashtag. Hashtag authentic. How do I spell authentic? That's how. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, autocorrect. Hashtag no filter, because we all lie online. That's what we do. Okay, okay, okay. So listen. I think my motives were pretty, were, were pretty pure when I posted that. And, and so, and so I, 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 I like what I posted. It, it's good. I, I, got, I got the people that matter in the picture. And, and so, yeah, it was just, just the right angle, and I cropped it the right way. Um, but listen here. Listen up. Listen up. Listen. Uh, did you know that Instagram recently came out with an update where they are taking likes off of posts? Off of, off of photos that get a lot of traction because apparently it causes people anxiety when they see 23,000 views on an NFL player, but me and my lowly 136 followers, I could never compare to that. I think that's absolutely insane. I think it's so crazy how we just, all right, let's see who liked it. Let's go back, let's go back. Oh, I got three likes. I got three likes. Peyton. I'll talk with your parents later. Okay, okay, look, look, okay. I'm, and, I, and, and listen, I think it's just so silly how, how we just like, we just go about our lives like this and, and we, we, just, we just live scroll at a time, scroll at a time. And we, just, and we just want so many of these likes. Oh, I'm still stuck at three. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with my life? Doesn't my life have value? I thought I, thought I live life unfiltered. I thought there was more going on in my life. I'll like my own photo at this point because no one else is going to like it for me. And listen, we do this all the time. And so slowly but surely, 
unseen anxiety just slips in. Well, listen, uh, Lauren, I mean, in her post, she gets a lot of likes because of that stupid dog. And here I am having to like my own photos. And, 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 and listen, I, got, I don't have a burner account, but I may invest in one to like my own stuff because I want to feel important and I want to feel validated and I want to feel all these things. And don't you see how, how, in, how it's the unseen anxiety with every little scroll. It's the unseen insecurity that just slips into my heart. I, I think I posted something great, but, but now that I'm looking at it and I'm not getting the likes I thought I would and I'm not seeing what I wanted, it's all of a sudden not as good as it was. If I don't get 10 likes in 10 minutes, I'm deleting it. <laughs> this is how we live our lives. It's so absolutely ironic how it is, it, is, it is something that we could post. We want everyone to see and enjoy. But it's, it's what comes in the unseen down in my heart. I'm not getting comments. I'm not getting those likes. I'm not seeing this. And, and so slowly but surely, I place my value in what other people think about me. I place my value and my assurance and my affirmation in something that isn't even real. Did you all like my photo? Like out loud, did you like it? Like that should be good enough, right? But no, no, no. See, see, I live. I live for the gram. I, I post to the gram. I want those likes. And, and so every time, every, every moment that goes by and there's not a new, a new like, there's not something new, that unseen, that unseen perspective that my life isn't as cool as someone else's slowly slips into my heart and all of a sudden I'm absolutely sunk by things that don't matter, by things that can't be seen, by, by, by silly things. And see, listen, the platform that God gave me is, is special. It is, it is something that is unique because honestly, when I make life, when I make life all about this, it gets super boring. Life gets so boring whenever I'm just thinking me, 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 whenever God gave me a greater purpose and it involves you and you and you and you. Because honestly, if I'm, being, if I'm being real with you, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of being stuck in my own mind. I'm sick of being distracted by the things that I think I care about. Whenever God gave me a platform that looks more like this. Are you with me, Vineyard? This is the platform that actually matters. This is, this is the platform that actually matters. And listen, we, we have some people we have some people that they wanna, they wanna influence a lot of people. They wanna do great things with their lives. And I totally get that. I think it's wonderful, it's beautiful. I mean, I'm up on a platform, right? But, but listen, why would we ask God, why would we ask God to give us more when we can't even manage what he already gave us? Listen, when, I'm when I am captivated by purpose, I won't fixate on comparison. I won't fixate on the things that don't matter. I won't look at the things that simply don't mean anything. Vineyard, fix your focus on the things that matter. And I may, I, again, I may be standing up here, but it's, it's, it, I'm trying to push your vision back to Jesus, back to Jesus, back to Jesus. And anyone who, who stands on the platform and doesn't point you to Jesus, they're trying to point you to something that will destroy you. Fix your focus. Could it be that we simply... We simply have our vision on something that doesn't matter. Could it be that we care so much about, about things that don't matter? We get our eyes off 
of God. And it doesn't matter. And so, and so honestly, honestly, I think we simply need to give our phone a little bit of a shake, right? I think, I think, I think honestly, it's, it's a good time. It's a good moment to just, to just get rid of, of the comparison. It's a good time to just walk away from it because, listen, it, it, honestly, it honestly has too great of an influence on us. And so maybe, maybe your thing isn't, isn't Instagram. Maybe I'm talking to all these like, young people in here. But it's something else. And it's something else that you need to step away from. Vineyard, fix your focus on the things that matter. Because honestly, I'm sick of making everything about me and my attitude and my life and my success. Because, because if I begin living for your approval, your criticism will absolutely destroy me. We are sunk by things that don't matter. We are sunk when we focus on ourselves. We're sunk by what we can't even see. Fix your focus. Honestly, if you think about me later, I'm probably praying, fix my focus. Fix, fix my focus on the things that matter. And so, and so listen, this, this story, it moves on. Uh, because in the story, it's crazy. Jesus, it says, immediately Jesus reaches out his hand. When Peter starts to sink and he cries out, help. I got my eyes on the things that don't matter. Help. Jesus, it says, immediately reaches out his hand. And so I love this because Jesus rescues Peter before he, before he uses it as a teaching moment. And too many of us don't do this. People come to us in the midst of their struggle, in the midst of their grief, in the midst of their pain, and we say, yeah, you'll listen now, won't you? Imagine, imagine if Jesus did that. Lord, save me. Well, you know, Peter, if you had just kept your eyes on me, you know, Peter, if you would just come to church more often. You know, Peter, if, if you would just read your Bible more. If you would just think like me. You know, Peter, if you would just listen to me. No, Jesus didn't do any of that. He grabbed Peter. He rescued Peter first before he used it as a teaching moment. And the problem is that we keep trying to talk with people about their faith while they are drowning, when all they need is someone to care, someone to rescue them, someone to be there. And we're trying to talk to them about their faith while they can't even hear us. Just rescue them. Just reach out. Reach out to them before you have the conversation. And so we're really building up here to verse 32. The, the key to this entire evening, the key to this entire talk is in verse 32. And, and it gets, it's, it's looked over all the time. Because there's, there's really not a lot of, of description in verse 32. Verse 32 simply says, and when they got back into the boat, the wind ceased. And when they got back into the boat, the wind ceased. And so allow this story to unfold in your mind for a moment. You know, Peter, he's out on the water, he sinks. Jesus reaches out, pulls him up. They have a conversation out on the water in the midst of the wind. And then they go back to the boat and then the wind ceases. After they got back into the boat, the wind ceased. Listen, listen, Vineyard, listen. After they got in the boat, the wind ceased. After they got in the boat, the wind ceased. Are you, are you hearing this? After they got back to safety, the wind ceased. Think about this. Think about this. Do you think Jesus made Peter swim back? Like, just do the breaststroke? Like, like I don't think so. Do you think that Jesus actually just then carried him, you know? 
all the way back? No. No. What happened here? I think, I think Peter walked back with Jesus. But listen, I'm telling you, the, the key is in verse 32. After they got back in the boat, the wind ceased. Jesus allowed the same wind that sunk Peter to still rage all around him on the walk back. But this time, Peter wasn't alone. And as I read this, the image of a second wind becomes so vivid because Jesus could have easily stopped the wind upon, upon pulling Peter up, but he didn't because I see Jesus wanting the wind around Peter to stir a second wind within Peter. That is what is going on right here. And so listen, I'm telling you right now, Vineyard, my last point is this. If you want a second wind to stir within you, you must allow the wind to roar around you. Vineyard, Vineyard, you have walked through dark days. You have walked through hurt. You have been heartbroken. You have, you have sacrificed so much in 10 years. The wind around you has been relentless, and at times it feels like it's tried to sink you. But hold fast, Vineyard, hold fast. Because I do not doubt that Jesus is holding you like he's holding Peter. But the wind hasn't stopped. It hasn't stopped yet. And so, and so we pray, God, stop the wind. God, stop the circumstance. God, stop the situation. You have to stop these things from happening. But that's not what Jesus is going to do at this point. He is going to walk back with you in the same wind that sunk you because the wind that tried to kill you is the wind that will compel you to move forward and to find breakthrough and to get your second wind. Vineyard, vineyard. I'm, I'm wrapping up. Let's get on our feet. Come on, let's get on our feet. Let's get on our feet because, because we cannot, we simply cannot be a church that prays for what we want any longer. We must be a church that prays, God, push me to my limit. We must be people that say, God, take me where only you can. And let me tell you, he will do it. He will absolutely do it because all God wants out of you is willingness to get out of that boat is willingness to step forward, a willingness to cry out for help, a willingness to walk back in the midst of the very thing that tried to sink you, a willingness to reach people right here in Kentucky with a message of hope and a message of love and a message of grace. That is what you are called to. So Vineyard, you are getting your second wind. You have more ahead of you. You have greater dreams than you do memories. And so listen, I know it is exhausting. I know it is hard and I know it's frustrating but I know in the obstacle is an opportunity in the mess is a message and in the problem is a promise because you are on the walk back vineyard you are getting your second win